I'm going to read to you in just a minute a verse from Philippians that you'd normally see on a t-shirt or a tumbler. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can bench press more than ever. I can, I can go from 300 pounds to 600 pounds in one week because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Right? No. All right, so that's not what the verse means. But that's what happens when we tear verses out of context. Now, I'm, all, I'm all in favor of taking verses and putting them on T-shirts. I love that verse. I think I've got a T-shirt with that verse on. But I cannot bench press 600 pounds. I'm still at 300. It's really, it's really disappointing. <laughs> but we have to understand that context is king. You have to understand that if you're going to take a verse and you're going to put it on needlepoint, you've got to understand exactly what it means in the context What's happening here in, in this passage is that Paul is speaking from jail, and he's talking about the fact that there are times in our lives when the circumstances aren't what we would have them be. And despite the circumstances, we can do all things that we're called to do. Now, I'm not, I'm not discounting that, that God who created everything out of nothing can do anything. He can. A God who created everything out of nothing can do ev- anything, all right? We can't, can't discount that. But we have to understand what, what Paul is actually revealing to us, what Scripture is revealing to us, what the Lord would have us understand moment to moment about your life, especially in difficult circumstances. He's not using your faith to perfect your life. More often than not, he's using your life to perfect your faith. Let me say that again. God, more often than not, through difficult circumstances, is, is, is trying to help your life perfect your faith. It's not that you have to gin up some more faith so that your life will improve It's that there is something that God is offering you in the moment, even in difficult circumstances, to improve your faith. When I look at what Paul is is writing, one of the most beautiful letters of all time, one of the most buoyant, one of the most hopeful letters written from jail in difficult circumstances after floggings and after betrayal and after shipwrecks, Paul is sitting there not in despair. And I think to myself, why am I so uh, dejected sometimes just by small circumstances? You ever wonder that? Why you believing what you do, having the, the, the hope that you do, an eternal hope, why is it that sometimes just catching your toe on a piece of furniture can make you question the whole package, right? What is Paul's secret? Well, he uses that word. What is his secret to rise above difficult circumstances? Let's take a look. From Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound 
in any and every circumstance, I have learned the, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, bless this word, not just to our lips, but to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a study done by Duke University about what makes students happy. They, they studied students for many years. And some students were, were happier than others. They, they used that sort of captive audience there at the college, and, and, they, and they learned a number of behaviors and practices or attitudes, let's call them, that make some people happier than other people. Here, here are several of them. One of them is not to hold grudges. Don't hold things in the past against other people. Don't make a record of wrongs. Don't, don't hold grudges. It, it's going to be funny. You're going to hear Scripture through all of these, these things, even though that, they're just sort of discovering it again through their research. Don't look in the rearview mirror on the things that, that you messed up. Don't dwell on your failures. Don't spend time dwelling on the past, your past mistakes. Okay? So you can actually turn this around, and, and the things that I'm listing here is a recipe for being unhappy. All right? Discontent. Don't joust at windmills. And, 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 you know, that reference, the uh, man of La Mancha, uh, Don Quixote, who was always sort of trying to uh, make things that uh, are, are an immovable force to move. Don't try to make certain conditions that are fixed in the world. Don't try to change those. Sometimes it's, it's good to go with the grain. Uh, it says, get back to nature. In other words, close your laptop. If you're feeling down, get, get in the earth and the wind and the fire. Dig into some dirt, you know? I mean, just get your, your hands dirty with soil. Get out there where the breezes, is blowing, breezes are blowing and, and, and get around some moving water. Uh, don't, don't have any pity parties. No pity parties. Everyone stubs their toe, right? Everybody stubs their toe. No pity parties. Uh, cultivate simple virtues, Set realistic goals. Set, set some goals that, that, are, that are lofty, but set some goals that you can achieve. Uh, and, and be a part of something that's bigger than you. People who are, are egotistical, who are trying to build up themselves, they, they tend to be miserable. They don't necessarily show it. Now, now then there was another study from, from, of, from Penn State. So they were, they were looking at Penn State students, and, and one of the things that they discovered was what they called the pen face. The pen face. And that's where, uh, let me describe it to you. It's sort of like where uh, on the surface, everything is calm. But underneath, it's like a duck, right? On the surface, the duck is calm, everything. But underneath, there's a fury of legs, right? And that's the pen face, that, that there is this sense of, hey, I'm fine. Everything's good. I'm chill. It's all right. I'm good. But underneath the surface, there's a fury of legs. Is that you? Is that you in difficult circumstances? 
And when you think about the Duke study, you think about the Penn State study, you think about the ways that we're being called to, to be content, is it just that we have to get, we just have to put a big Nike swoosh over our lives and say, just do it? Is that how you're supposed to make it happen? How does Paul, what's Paul's secret? Is it, is it just that we're just supposed to, to buy our own initiative and energy and, 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 and just by sheer force of our will to go through this list and, and make those things happen? Doesn't that look like the pen face? Doesn't that make us just a duck on the water where everything is on, on the surface looks smooth, but underneath we're just a fury of legs? What is Paul's secret? Paul's Paul's whole life has been turned upside down. His, his circumstances are absolutely a mess. And yet, there's no fury of legs. You can see under the surface with Paul. There's no hiding. What is his secret? Well, let's look at two things. First, he's... He's, he's reorienting us in two ways. It's like planting your feet, all right? You, you know the sign that says, you are here, right? The sign that says, you are here? Paul is saying, you are here, and here's where you need to be. You need to put one foot in terms of the what and one foot in terms of the who and reorient your life to the following what and the following who. Let's take a look. First, the what. What's Paul reorienting us to? What is it? Did you notice? Did you see? Shining through Paul's verses is an attitude about some kind of what in your life. And here it is. This is what it is. He's saying, we don't get what we deserve. (laughs) Now that's supposed to be good news. But you didn't hear it that way, did you? Because you think you deserve something great. Now, Paul is saying, we don't get what we deserve, and that's a good thing. Paul says earlier in his letter in 121, he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Why? Because he realizes his whole orientation to life has changed. He realizes that if he got what he deserved, he would be in a world of hurt. He understands who he really is. He understands what he's really done. He understands who he is apart from Christ. He understands that alone, standing alone, on his own merit, that if he got what he deserved, in our honest moments, we know it's true. If we got what we deserved, we would not like it. I remember a woman who, uh, who uh, used to uh, clean houses, and I, I, I knew her from, from certain circumstances, and, and she, she uh, had a really difficult time of it. Sweet lady. Husband had been taken from her. Family had been taken from her. She'd made some mistakes, but she'd also put some things right. She'd worked hard for many, many years. But the thing that always struck me about this woman was whenever somebody would ask her, how are you doing, she would say, better than I deserve. And I always thought, at first when I heard her say that, I thought, well, that's a nice line, right? Better than I deserve. 
I always thought that maybe that there was a fury of legs underneath what she was saying. But then over the years, as I came to know her, I realized she was genuine. And the attitude that she had about her circumstances, about her life, elevated her, her spirit. She, she really had an orientation about the what's of her life that everything she had was really better than she deserved. Now, now, that's not to say we should just lower our expectations. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying lower expectations. See, see that creeps in through a couple of different philosophies we've, that, that continue to bubble up in, in, in human community. One is called Stoicism. Paul is not calling us to be Stoics. He's not calling us to be Stoics. Marcus Aurelius, a famous uh, Roman emperor and philosopher, a famous Stoic, he said this, don't feel harmed and you haven't been. (laughs) Now go and try that. Let's pray. Yeah, good luck, right? Don't feel harmed and you haven't been. Isn't this like, this is Spock, right? This is Spock preaching to you. Don't feel harmed and you haven't been. That's stoicism. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to disconnect. It's denial. It's a form of denial. Paul is not in denial. Paul is not saying, rise above your circumstances. Stop the fury of legs because you can just simply put a stiff arm to anybody or anything that's bothering you. It's not stoic. You remember uh, Aesop's fables and the fox is trying to get the grapes and he can't re- reach the grapes. And he says, they're probably sour anyway. That's where the expression sour grapes came from. <laughs> they're probably sour anyway. That's not the attitude that Paul is instructing us to have towards life. He's not saying lower your, your, your expectations about your circumstances and you'll be happier. He's not saying that. Nor is he saying just try harder to be joyful in and through all things. He's not saying that either. You know, when, when Jesus was in the Garden of, of Gethsemane, he didn't say, you know, praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? He didn't say that. When he's facing the cross and he knows what's coming, when he's at the tomb of Lazarus, and, he, and he's entering into a human despair, a moment of human despair and darkness, and he realizes this is what, and he's empathizing with, with humanity, and he's realizing this is how people feel. He didn't just turn and say, you know, I just need to be joyful in the Lord in all things. No. That's another form of denial, whether it's stoicism or whether it's just sheer human optimism. Denial is not the call of Christ. Our faith calls us to face reality, to deal with reality. Look at at what Paul says in verse 12 again. He says this, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in every circumstance. I know how to be brought low. He's saying there, there will be highs and lows. There will be highs and lows. Don't go into denial with some sort of detached stoicism. Don't just conjure up some false sense of joy that somehow that habit will, will, will make you 
arise in your spirit? Deal with it. Deal with reality. But deal with it in a particular way. You know, sometimes people, people have this, what I call, at leasting. All right? It's looking for the silver lining. Over the, over the break that Beth and I took in July, uh, some good friends of ours lost their 22-year-old son. Some friends of ours from, from Signal Mountain lost their 22. He just graduated from college, and he was killed in an accident. And, and you know, every time something like this happens, I worry about what people are going to try to say to try to make things better. I worry about a family like that, because I've experienced this, where I've been in a place of grief, and someone has tried to make it better. And, and we mean well when we do this, and we say, well, at least... And fill in the blank. What are we doing? What are we trying to do? We're uncomfortable with their grief, so we try to put some kind of shine on it. That's what we're doing. At least he didn't suffer. I guarantee you, he's heard that over and over again. People meaning well, turning us away from the reality of the circumstances. Lowering the vision of the Christian life. Dismissing what Paul is offering to us, a secret he's offering to us. At leasting. At leasting. Well, at least, you know, and fill in the blank. Paul is saying, face what you're dealing with. If you're going down in, into the depths and, and there's a difficulty uh, uh, that you're having to face, face it all the way. Face it all the way down. Don't pretend. Don't, don't shine it up with false optimism. Don't, don't detach with stiff-arm stoicism. Deal with it, but deal with it with a secret to contentment. What is that secret? Let's look at verse 13 again. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Do you see what he's saying? I can do all things. All the things that are presented to me that God has called me into, all the circumstances I must go through, not around, not under, not over, all of those things that I must face, all those life circumstances... I can do through him. You see, the secret is not a what. It's not you. It's a who. And it's him. It's not a matter of getting the right what. You see, a lot of us, we, we think of our faith as something that, that, that sort of is like this secret sauce that helps perfect life. Don't you? I mean, this is the false Christianity. That, this is an American version of Christianity. We use faith, and faith is an additive to life. It's an additive to life to perfect our lives. But God is saying, I'm not using your faith to perfect your life. I'm using your life to perfect your faith. Look at what Paul is saying. He's saying the secret is not Using faith 
to change life circumstances, to, 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 to have a focused hope on some, somehow this resolving. You know, there, there's an EPC pastor, somebody, you know, just like me, somebody who uh, had been serving a church. He happened to be in Turkey, and he's being held in prison. He's been there for almost a year. I pray for him every day at 10 o'clock. My calendar reminds me. I just think his name. Just pray for him. Andrew Brunson. Is his hope just that he's going to get out someday? Is that the kind of hope that we're called to? Is that the hope that you have, that, that someday your circumstances will change? If so, you're selling short what's being promised to you. You're selling short the secret. Augustine, probably the greatest mind theologian of, of 2,000 years since Jesus, He said one of my favorite quotations of all time. He said, if you're restless, you're going to remain restless apart from God until you rest in him. He said, God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they rest in him. And so sometimes he's using your life to perfect your faith. He's using your circumstances of your life to drive you to a deeper place of trust. He's using the difficult things that you think maybe you did something wrong, right? Maybe you did something wrong back there and God is sort of equalizing things. It's like, that's karma. That's not Christianity. That's karma, okay? You've just become a good Hindu, okay? Congratulations. No, sometimes he's using those difficult circumstances to perfect your faith to deepen it. And it might not be for you. Andrew Brunson's plight in, in Turkey, we don't know when it's going to end, but, but I picture it like God is drilling a well into the soul of this man that other people may draw from someday. If his hope is, is founded upon a who and not upon a future What? that he's with him. You know, it's, it's a little like this. I love this image. Uh, when I was in New England, I used to go to the coast after the storms because the, 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 the water was just roiling. It was just a huge waves. And, and, and every now and then, there'd be this massive breaker that uh, on, the, on the coast of New England, you had these big rocks. You didn't, have, didn't, didn't always have sand. There are places where there, were be- there was beach, but a lot of places there were these huge boulders. And, and, and here would come this massive wave and it would crash into this this rock and it would entirely engulf this rock and you think where did that rock must be completely obliterated right i mean that huge wave it must have swept that rock out to sea and then all of a sudden it just goes away and there's the rock a picture of you with life crashing on you when your trust is founded upon the rock. You see? It's a who, not a what. Now, we, we, have, we have some old favorite songs, and sometimes those songs that we look back and we look at people's circumstances and we think, oh, that's a great man of faith. That's a great woman of faith. There's somebody. Isn't that amazing how they did that? And, and we really don't empathize and put ourselves in the moment like somebody like Horatio Spafford. Do you know who that is? 
Here's a man who understood that to rise above circumstances requires the right who? Not just Jesus as Savior, but Jesus as Lord. The rock of his salvation. The justification of his soul. Not just Jesus saved me once upon a time, but Jesus is my Lord today and always. And every circumstance, he may be offering something. A deeper opportunity for a deeper well, a deeper sense of trust, a deeper faith. Rather than a rejection of whatever he happens to be offering us in the moment. To see God as Lord, to see Jesus as Lord of every moment of your life is to say God is sovereign in and over and through all things. It doesn't mean he makes bad things happen. It means that he is able to work all things to the good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. When you're centered on the right who, that's Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was a man who lived in Chicago. He had a family, had a number of girls. And in the Chicago fire, they lost everything. Their family was spared. And so he sent his wife and his children on a boat across the big pond back to Europe to some family to wait while he tried to sort things out. And in the middle of that trip, as they made their way across the Atlantic, a storm hit a, you know, about 20 miles out from, from land. And they were caught. The boat sank. And his wife cabled him. Many, many years ago, this is how it worked. It cabled him. Two words. See, Horatio Spafford knew that the boat had sunk, but he didn't know the whereabouts of his family. And so she wrote these famous two words, saved alone. In other words, he lost all of his children. So what kind of faith allowed Horatio Spafford to pen these words? When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It's a who, not a what, to rise above your circumstances, your life, needs the right who, that Jesus is Lord, not just your Savior. He's Lord in and through every circumstance of your life. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for your staying power when you walked on this earth, the amazing way that you rose above every circumstance and even turned the worst circumstances into the greatest benefit to all humankind. Surely, as the guard said, this is the Son of God. Father, we, we each in this room
are leaving a storm, between storms or entering one. And so we pray that you'd guide us in the coming season to be clear about our expectations, that we get better than we deserve. And we pray, Lord, for a strong sense of reorientation to the great who of our life, you, the risen Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.